The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, he said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at what was said and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father. And he will rule over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. But Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no relations with a man? The angel said to her in reply, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible for God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. The gospel of the Lord. When you read the lives of the desert fathers, it's hard to imagine a life of greater asceticism and self-denial. They denied themselves everything, ate almost nothing. It was a difficult life, more to be admired than imitated. There was a man who once came to one of the great abbots of the desert, said he wanted to be a monk. The abbot, St. Pacomius, I think, didn't think he had what it took to be a monk of the desert. The man wouldn't go away, so he gave him all kinds of impossible jobs and did strange things. He would tell him to weave baskets, and when he'd woven it, he'd tell him to take it apart and do it again. The man never asked why. At one point, 
You took a dead branch and placed it in, in the earth. You told him to go down to the, the river and water it every day. The river was quite a distance away. The man did it. He never asked why. It seemed futile. And then one day, after a long period of time, the branch burst into bloom. It sprouted, grew leaves. The abbot took the branch out of the earth, held it up before all the other monks, and said, Behold the fruit of obedience. When we read the scriptures at this time of year, obedience doesn't always come to mind. Many other things do. But it's all about obedience. Gospel after gospel after gospel. We saw it last week with St. John the Baptist. He didn't fully know what he was doing. He knew what he was called to do. He didn't know what the results would be or what his future was. He never asked why. We do, don't we? If somebody tells you or me to do something that seems absolutely futile or a waste of time, we're going to say, why should I do this? Remember when I was in the seminary, that was the question you were not supposed to ask. Why? You were simply told that you were to do it. We see it in St. Joseph. Continually has been being given missions without being told the reasons, really. Sometimes they're obvious, sometimes they aren't. He never asks why. He simply does it. Today we come to the perfect obedience of the Blessed Mother. Tomorrow we will see the perfect, infinite obedience of God-made man. But today it's her, the woman. This gospel we have heard already three times, and this is the fourth time. This year, just this season, we have heard this gospel. We'll hear it again on the Feast of the Annunciation in March. The Church wants to drive this gospel home and to drive the obedience of this woman home. An archangel appears to her, greets her as no other woman has ever been greeted, no human being has ever been greeted before, hail full of grace. Not since the fall could anyone be greeted that way. Hail full of grace. And then tells her what's going to happen. Notice what happens when he tells her. You shall conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. And so on. The Blessed Mother asks for a point of clarification. Unlike Zachariah, who didn't believe and was struck dumb, she believes, but she doesn't understand. So she asks one question, how can this be? And the answer only intensifies the mystery. The answer? The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. What does that mean? A thousand questions are opened up by the answer, but she never asks one of them. She never asks, what will happen? What will I do to bring him up? What will his mission be? What will his end be? What will I have to endure? Why should I do this? She never asks that question. She simply accepts it, accepts it as she knows it. That's one thing to read in Scripture. It's another thing to apply to our own lives, isn't it? Since obedience is the great message of the the Scriptures, Old Testament and New Testament. In this case, 
It's an obedience of ecstasy. It's a joy. Imagine to be told that you are going to be conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. Whatever that might mean, you will give birth to this child who will be the son of the Most High, the son of God. That's a joyful obedience, don't you think? Until you begin to realize that you don't know what it means and you don't know what end it will cause. When you say yes, you're saying yes to something you don't completely grasp at all. But she never ceases to say yes. Through his private life, we know nothing really of that. His public life, she hardly has ever seen. And the infancy narratives, presentation in the temple, the finding in the temple, she simply accepts it. And then at the end, we see her only at the foot of the cross, accepting the mutilation and crucifixion of her son. Another yes, one she never really understood or perhaps expected, but she accepted it. You and I then are called to a similar obedience, not in the dramatic way of the gospel perhaps. We don't have angels appearing to us telling us what's going to happen, although there is a certain mystery in life, isn't there? As soon as I say yes to the will of God, I don't know what I'm saying. I'm saying yes to what I know, but if I'm really a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm also saying yes to things I don't know. Now, for instance, any married couple can tell you that. The day you are married, you are saying yes to things you don't understand. Things will come into the life of a couple and a family that were never expected, but you said yes to those things the day that you exchanged vows. There was a a mystery, wasn't there? When I was ordained, there was a mystery. I had no idea what was going to happen in the future. I had some idea of where I was going the first time after that. Who knows? But as soon as I was ordained, I had said yes to it all, even if I didn't know it. Again, like Cardinal Newman, he knows what he is about. It's true with a single life, too. You don't know what's coming. But if you accept that in the grace of God, you've said yes. It's only when we say no that we enter into sin. Sin is the great no, the great rejection of obedience. So as I said, sometimes that obedience will lead us to great joy, even ecstasy. As when, for instance, you were married, or I was ordained. You accepted the single life. To have a family brings great joy, but also that you begin to realize there's great sacrifice, often disappointment, Uh, things you can't control. But you said yes to those things, as I did too. And sometimes that yes, that obedience, is going to be something that demands, that is so painful and causes such suffering, that demands every last ounce of our will to respond to the grace of God. As, for instance, when someone we love goes away or is taken from us, or dies. Something we hadn't expected suddenly transforms our life into a life of great misery. That's when obedience becomes difficult, isn't it? But you know, we go back to our Carthusian friends again, who will tell us that when that kind of obedience is demanded, and all of a sudden, God in some way 
demands from us a response to his will that's painful. And they said, when this happens, it is no longer a time for reasoning or arguing or wanting to understand. More than ever, we have to believe in the love of God in the depths of our heart. We must be born into a deeper trust in him, which in the end is also a resurrection. That's where we actually experience the greatest freedom of all, to accept the unacceptable because love has brought it to us. So we can then say, as she said, isn't it wonderful? After all of that, without asking a single question, another question, what does she say? Behold the handmaid of the Lord, let it be done to me as you say. And with that, the angel left her. He couldn't leave without an answer. He had to wait until she gave it, until she consented, since the history of the world depends upon that answer. Tomorrow, in tomorrow's Masses, we will see and hear, rather, the most important phrase in all of Scripture that sums it all up. I'm not going to mention it today, but I think you might know what it is. That one phrase in Scripture that should shake the world and should shake us. Meanwhile, we have the example of the Blessed Mother. And we might say, Mary, you who believed all that was said of you by the Lord, teach us how to receive humbly this gift of obedience and to let ourselves be transformed by it. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come before you rejoicing in the advent of your Son and trusting in your love and mercy. For the Church throughout the world, her members will always be openly obedient to the will of God as we come to know it in our lives, especially the Church persecuted. We pray to the Lord. For all nations of the world, especially our own, we will be obedient to the prophets, to the prophetic voice of the church. We pray to the Lord. For all those who are sick and suffering, the lonely, the frustrated, the confused, the dying, that they may know the grace of God in their lives and know that they are doing his will for those who are greatly tempted, for those who have lost faith and lost obedience, we pray to the Lord. Lord for a greater respect for human life, and at this time especially in the womb, we pray to the Lord. Lord for an increase in vocations to priesthood and the consecrated life, especially from our own parish and diocese, those young men and women who will have the heroic courage of the Blessed Mother, St. Joseph and John the Baptist, for greater reverence for the obedience of marriage in the single life, we pray to the Lord. For our bishop, priests, deacons, and seminarians, and for the American hierarchy, having first learned obedience themselves, they may then call others to holiness, we pray to the Lord. For the souls of all the faithful departed, especially our relatives, friends, and benefactors, 
all who have died on the battlefield, all victims of violence, terrorism, and natural disaster. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May they rest in peace. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed. And for all of us here, that we may fulfill with joy the gift of our vocation, particularly through the grace of obedience, we pray to the Lord. We now join our prayers to those of the Mother of the Word and the Queen of Prophets as we sing. 